This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome to our Behind the Markets podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz. Alongside Wharton Friends Professor Jeremy Siegel, we tackle the latest market trends every week on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Our guest consists of experts like the world's leading authority on long-term economic growth, Bob Gordon. We will continue to see jobs created rather than destroyed. Former chair of the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen. I mean, I don't think either of us ever expected that we would live through a financial crisis. Or even the head of the Digital Indian Foundation, Arvind Gupta. The reason that people are talking about India is massive digitization and financial inclusion that we have done over the last couple of years. Enjoy this week's show. Welcome to a special edition of our Behind the Markets podcast. Our audio is definitely more experimental this week as our traditional studio was closed today. We hope to have better audio for you soon. Um, I'm Jeremy Schwartz, Global Head of Research at Wisdom Tree. Today, we have a great, amazing panel. Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel, author of Stocks for Long Run and the Future for Investors, is going to kick us off today. We've got Lee Chen Ren, Director of Modern Alpha at Wisdom Tree, Kevin Flanagan, Head of Fixed Income Strategy, and Jeff Winnegar, a Director of Asset Allocation on our team. Please note, Kevin, Jeff, and I are registered representatives of Foresight Fund Services, and Professor Siegel is a Senior Advisor to Wisdom Tree. Discussion is not tied to the offer of investment products. So, Professor, uh, wow, um, just another tough week in the market. Really, I think uh, I saw maybe one of the, the worst weeks for the market going back to October 2008. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the sort of volatility and what's going on. Um, how's your current read of the, the situation? Yes, I mean, we have never seen anything like this. It was a month ago that we were at all time highs. We are now more than on the S&P, 31% below that. Um, We've never been confronted with uh, a virus situation like this. Um, We've had a virus. We, you know, in in 1918, we kind of let it roll. We didn't know what to do. Um, uh, We had two kind of waves of it. Um, but uh, didn't cause the slowdown. And the reason is, is we're trying to save lives here. In the process of trying to save lives, um, we're causing actually far more economic slowdown than we had during the last virus wave, which will, you know, would actually probably kill many more people than, you know, what what we are looking at here, even in the worst-case scenario. But where do we stand Um uh, at this level, we are slightly under 15 times last year's earnings. So, you know, if this year's earnings could be zero, uh, well, they won't be zero everywhere, but there'll be losses in firms um, and positive. Um, people keep on saying, you know, what's the P.E. ratio? But the P.E. ratio for one year when you have a unusual situation. It's not meaningful. Question is, when we look forward to 2021, can can we see normal um, resumption of activities? Um, and, and there are questions about that, um, But and I'll get to those later. If we can see normal resumption and we get back to last year's earnings, then we're selling at a very, very good multiple. I mean, 
slightly cheaper than the historical average uh, in in worlds that are you know much more difficult to diversify with much higher interest rates, et cetera, and so on. Um, uh, so you're you're also at a fifteen times earnings buying back into a six and a half to seven percent real return on stocks, um, far above the five percent you are when you are at twenty times earnings. So the forward-looking returns are are uh, enormous. And I'm only talking about returning to last year's. I'm not even talking about any steady growth that we might have from that. Um, so, you know, if you look ahead and say there's some return to normalcy, it looks extremely cheap. Does that mean stocks shouldn't fall anymore? Well, they very well might fall anymore. Why? Well, certainly we have worry about solvency of, of a number of firms, the airline industry, uh, the energy uh, industry. Now, they're not huge in terms of market value for the S&P, but certainly, the, you know, the, the, we're, we're talking about some very, very big firms. So solvency, uh, which is measures that the government are looking forward to, are, are, are one issue. Um, we could really lose more profit uh, you know, then um, uh, losses more than than last year's profit. Uh, eat into capital. I mean, that's that's a possibility. And certainly for some firms, it'll it, that that very well may be the case. For many of the other firms, you know, that won't be. But Corey, that's one massive increase in risk premiums. Uh, wow, this can happen. Now that's going to linger um, uh, for a while. So we have a very, very big equity risk premium, but we could really be very, 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 very um, high on that for a year or two to come. Now, the mitigating factors is financial institutions are really weathering this storm, and the Fed has reached out to supply them with credit. Um, uh, The crisis is not caused by reckless institutions. We're not trying to penalize like the bank should go bankrupt, as people said 10 years ago. They overlent. They're the ones that should go under. No one thinks, you know, that the firms that are in stress deserve to go under. This is, this is very, very important. Another very important thing to remember, not only did the stock market go down over 50% during the financial crisis, but more important to most Americans was they lost much, if not all, of their home equity. Uh, In the wipeout of real estate values, which fell over 30%, we do not have that this time. I mean, clearly, I'm not saying the the real estate market has not been affected, but people, people are going to be buying homes. Shelter is important. Consumption of that's important. Now, on the real estate side, REITs are also based on commercial real estate, and the retail space is is at risk, um, accelerating a downturn. Some even might think certain commercial real estate might be at risk. Everyone's working from home. Maybe they'll find out that's just as good. I mean, there are questions on that side, but for the home ownership um, homes are more important than ever, sheltering at home, people feeling at home. So that is a big source that's there and solid um, for individuals, and one has to remember that going forward. 
Um, on the virus front, um, I think that we were hoping there might be some announcements of, of some therapeutics. I don't think it's forthcoming. Uh, remdesivir uh, and another um, drug that uh, it was used uh, to treat malaria does not seem to be that effective, at least initially. There's not been official announcements, but um, people thought people think that had there been in, uh, some breakthroughs there, we would have heard by now. So we're still working on them. It's not the only ones. I think therapeutics are extremely important. They will come before vaccines. There are uh, therapeutics that can prevent the uh, those that are seriously ill from succumbing to the disease. Um, that would be administered in the ICUs. Uh, that's what we're looking for. If there was such an announcement that we've gotten a therapeutic that can prevent, let's say, 90% of the deaths that come from the ICUs, um, you would see a 3,000-point jump in the market. Just taking that off the table, you know, oh, my goodness, now I can count on recovering is a huge relief. Anything on that nature will cause a tremendous relief. Absent that, though, there's discouragement. Uh, and I feel toward the end of today, with no new announcements, um, and and the and the virus raging. One should also point out, um, uh, we we have you know virtually shelter in place. New York, um, New Jersey, uh, you know, the state of California. I just heard Illinois or Chicago area. Um, uh, there's there's a question of. Uh, should U.S. take a one further step and go to a shutdown that is really virtual, complete in the sense that you're only allowed out in the case of getting food, and you're monitored as you go out, you're checked, et cetera, and so on. Uh, this is what they did in Wuhan and stopped the crisis uh, dead in its feet uh, with an extreme measure. Um, um, that's actually what Ackman, Bill Ackman, recommended. Was you know let's let's just shut things down um, for let's say two to four weeks, and you know make sure everyone gets food. National Guard comes out, make sure do what we've done and get everything there. And then after that, the, the virus should have abated. Um, we get a, a Wuhan type of a situation where we were we're much better. These are things that are radical, you know, that can be discussed. Um, there's a lot of different uh, positions one can take. Uh, I think the bottom line um, is that it's probably going to, you know, get worse before it gets better. Um, yes, and we can see a 50% down spike there. Um, from head to toe, um, uh, but the, but Congress is on board. The Fed is on board. The banks are safe. Those, those people's bank accounts are unsafe. Their home equity is safe, um, and um, we just have to provide other aid. Um, I, you know, like others to join in on our discussion. Um, I'm giving you some of my uh, issues. Very good, Professor uh, Lee Chen. You've been one of the people following the virus that I, I've been tracking. You know, trust your your opinion here. A lot of this, you were early in warning us a lot. We had a lot of guests on the on the virus, you know, earlier this year. 
you've been getting a little bit more optimistic on it. What's your current sense of what's going on, what we should be doing, taking some lessons from China? Um, hey, thank you. Um, I Because my family were in China, so I started tracking all the data, like from January 21st, the day, you know, they announced uh, this situation. It's, I think the lesson from China and also um, from other countries which have successfully um, put this under control, like South Korea, um, Taiwan, Singapore, um, and Hong Kong, is that social distancing really works. And two weeks of social distancing is the incubation period of this virus. So I I I think here we live in a you know bit much freer country in the sense that the worry is that the younger people are not um, healing this um, this this call of social distancing, which I I do think it's it's important that uh, you may walk around neighborhoods, kids are still playing each other. Um, I know my kids want to play with other kids too, but the important thing is that even for kids, uh, Washington State is a state that actually uh, get get all the uh, age distribution of the people who have um, infected. And under you know 20 years old, it's not low. So there are quite a lot of people who got infected. And U.S. data shows that they are pretty serious. Some of the younger kids develop pretty serious um, uh, illness. On the other hand, if there's no medical run, which is really the uh, the most important uh, number for this virus, then for the people who got infected, they could get treatment and then things will get, get better. So social distancing is really... The second thing is you have to get the people who have light symptoms, symptoms to stay at home. I, this I haven't read enough uh, in China or in Singapore. Uh, if you don't follow, you know, stay at home, if you got this, uh, even it's a light symptom, you're going to be punished. For example, in Singapore, if you leave the house when the doctor uh, told you to stay in the house because you have been confirmed, uh, if you're a foreigner, you will be uh, forever uh, forbidden to go to Singapore. Here in the U.S. have been a, a few cases who got confirmed, actually flew back to China, and this family is being charged with a crime in China. Uh, here, I don't I don't think there's much um, talk on this issue. If it gets more serious, I think that thing needs to have some kind of law enforcement. Like, people really need to stay if you have light symptoms. Um, and the last thing is people don't panic and go to the hospital because the hospital is actually most of the cross uh, infection happens. And if the doctors got overwhelmed, the death rate could go from 1% to 6 or 7%, like in uh, Wuhan or in, in uh, Italy. So I think as long as we practice social distancing, this virus is actually much easier to predict than anything else because the virus doesn't look at you know, whether you are old or young or white or black, it's just a, you know, biological uh, thing that loves humans. So if you, you know, practice social distancing, there's really this one factor that you could stop it. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that, that is basically incurred. And I think that you're right, two weeks is, we've just started it here in the U.S., uh, there's some people are disappointed. I, uh, is there uh, a diminution from Italy, which I think is now in two weeks um, uh, lockdown? Um, I, I've heard some 
conflicting news from there, and I don't know whether Lee Chen yeah. looked at it I to think know whether Italy has started to slow down. Someone said that they do see some slowdown in in the cases, um, others are not sure. Yeah. Um, so one the U.S. because, like Professor said, you know, U.S. the last uh, um, big uh, pandemic is in 1918. So in the U.S., actually, not um, many very good websites to track all these time series data. While in Asia, like for example, Singapore or China, because the most recent was the 2003 SARS um, virus situation. So a lot of dashboards was much more uh, information in, in Asian countries. In the in the WHO, they have a pretty good daily new cases chart that you can look at for every country. So for Italy, two or three days ago, indeed, they have seen some stabili stabilization around uh, 3,500 uh, cases each day. But in the last two days, it, they jumped again. And even from the news media, there is, you know, you can you can get some news media reports that in Italy, this lockdown or or the recommended uh, social distancing was not very practiced uh, very well, and I think uh, that's why here in the U.S. I think in a lot of uh, pretty much everybody, uh, you know, the famous people and the everybody is appealing to Americans that let's do this together. This can be done if if we um. If we just social distance and we don't need a very draconian way of, you know, forcing you to stay at home, if you do it, you know, out of out of the good for the society, then um, this can be done. So I think um, Italy probably, I, I don't know, you know, the the people there not not really taking seriously the younger people, and I hope here uh, people take it seriously. And after, if you if you look at the numbers. I know a lot of people feel um, Chinese data may, may not be, you know, as accurate. Actually, a lot of conclusions of this virus can be drawn from other countries as well. You you don't need the Chinese data to draw the same kind of conclusion uh, that that I I'm I'm saying in the sense that after two weeks of social distancing, you will see a peak. So if you look at South Korea, you know, after about two weeks, the daily new cases start falling down. And, um, you know, in Singapore and Taiwan, they have a little bit different strategy. Uh, on the other hand, the Singapore strategy right now, at least in the U.S., is not um, feasible because in Singapore, every case, so much detailed information of every case is this, this, is uh, announced. Like on the Singapore Ministry of Health, um, the, the case detail of where she, the person works, where she visited, every personal information is announced. I think after um, one month later this in the summer, U.S. may have to think about for the second wave, maybe those are some of the tactics that needs to be adopted. Because Singapore, literally, um, no school is closed. Uh, people are still um, you know, living as a normal, and they are able to keep this uh, virus situation so far under wrap. And that requires very meticulous uh, contact tracing. So I think uh, I think uh, it's really let's get through this stage first. Make sure there's no medical run, and then you know let's learn the lesson from Singapore, Taiwan, and Hong Kong, which were highly impacted by SARS, and they learned a lot of lesson from that epidemic. Um, so I, it it is doable. It's completely doable. Let me let me turn to Kevin for a second. Kevin, so beyond equities, it was sort of a an interesting week across markets. The fixed income markets had 
Um, there was a lot, you know, a lot of volatility there in some of the, the vehicles in the market. Maybe give your sense of what happened, what's happening from all the different facilities and the Fed, all the central banks around the world, and then how that's translating to yields and, and what you see going on in the markets. Sure. You know, it's fascinating, right? The last time you, myself, the professor, Lee Chen, we were on a call a week ago and what the Fed has done in just a very short period of time. You know, lowering the funds rate, essentially back to zero interest rate policies are um, pretty much dropping the primary credit rate for the discount window down to the same level, introducing three, if I can count. It, I'm losing count sometimes, I, I believe, facilities to help in the funding markets. And you are beginning to see, I think, some relief. Certainly, I know the professor, we were talking about this with Jim Bianco last week. Um, you're definitely seeing in the SOFR markets which is yeah. good. We, we had a little bit of a spike, I believe, earlier in this week, and now we're down to just a couple basis points, which is good. Um, some of the lending spreads that, that people look at, you know, fixed versus floating kind of swap arrangements, uh, peaked out to a little bit under 80 basis points last Friday. That's down to 46 now. Um, it was a little bit lower. It was more like 30 earlier in the week. But nevertheless, progress, right? Let's take yeah. progress where we can get it. Now, the other side of the trade is, unfortunately, credit spreads. Um, based on some of the numbers we were putting together, it looks like one of the worst week, if not two weeks, for investment grade and high yield um, in, in history, essentially, uh, pretty much taking out what occurred in 2008. So there continues to be concerns, and the market trying to find some kind of equilibrium level, I think, at this point, because... Given where some of the uh, spread levels are at and the movements we've seen just within the last week, you know, in absolute terms, what's interesting is high yield spreads are still about a thousand basis points below their 2008 wides. Um, looking at investment grade spreads, they're about 300 or so below their 2008 wides. But nevertheless, you still had that bad weekly performance because it was kind of all jammed just within the last week or two. So that creates these dislocations and creates a situation where, you know, funding is needed, hedges aren't working. So what do you sell? Well, you know, and we saw it in the treasury market, you sell what's easy to sell. That's why on the run treasuries versus off the run. We saw dislocations there. And I think in the investment grade market as well, investors are selling things that are easier to sell in the market. Um, but we seem to be getting, I, I personally believe, unless things take a turn for the worse, that you know we are getting to a point where what's priced in here? Higher defaults, higher downgrades, and I think the market is well aware that you know second quarter GDP, let's just call it at least you know second half of March, April, May numbers are, are going to be horrendous. We saw the seventy thousand increase in jobless claims for this past week. You know, and we've all probably heard the reports that are now putting that it's going to go into the millions um, in the next couple of weeks. You know, I don't want to, you know, fuel the fans of the fires here, but you are going to begin to see as we continue to move forward, it's going to take time, this impact in the economic numbers as well. So we have to get to that point where the market feels it's reached kind of that equilibrium. We've discounted, we've priced things in. But the Fed's doing their part, and hopefully, you know, by the end of this weekend, Monday or Tuesday at the latest, 
we get the double whammy, that you get the action from the fiscal government taking hold as well. Because up to this point, it's been focused, and rightfully so, on the humanitarian side. But now we do need to look at the economic ramifications. Let the Fed take care of monetary policy, the funding markets, and let the fiscal policy hopefully try to, once this does turn, get us out of the potential recession, technical recession. Maybe it's just one quarter. Um, but the one question I, I was thinking about, uh, Professor, when you were talking, I mean, do you have any early thoughts? And I know it's early thoughts here. You know, the debate, are you thinking V or are you thinking more U-shaped recovery for the economy? Well, I think it, honestly, I think that depends on some of the meta and what goes on with the virology. Um, and and the number of cases. Um, uh, you know, if if we peak and then they go down and the social distancing works and goes down, I mean, if 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 we could get back to uh, you know where China is, no new cases, homegrown, with Starbucks opening in Hubei province, I mean, my God, it's it's almost like a wonderland. I mean, uh, who would have thought? Uh, yeah, then, I mean, if we get back there, it's it's a V. Now, there is talk about, it, you know, is it going to be another fall wave and what's going to happen, but then we know social distancing works. We know we can control it. If if we have, you know, if we look at the death rates and they're reasonable, what's scary is some of the death rates from Italy, and I still don't understand why they are so much higher than even China and even Hubei province. I really uh, I think mean, it's uh, that, I, I really think it's, you know, people didn't take the social distancing seriously, and also young people feel you know they are not getting sick. Um, it, it it social distancing is really the only way that works. Virus only yeah. needs people to carry it through. So I think uh, probably Italians uh, will start realizing you know this is the only tool right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I I personally think, and you know, I agree. I mean, the, the Fed did it opened the discount window. Those spreads are down. We're going to give a lot of fiscal stimulus. But the whole question then is, you know, what is the progress on the virus front? Are we able to take care of it? I mean, you know, if we find people that are uh, – what's scaring people now is uh, overload of ICUs of sick people that absolutely need the ventilators, and there aren't ventilators. And this this is very, very scary for people. Um, if 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 we slow it down to the point and and we get through this wave where we had enough and the death rates look pretty reasonable, um, you know we know there will there are death rates of course, but if they don't look really scary like eight percent in Italy um, um, on the numbers, uh, you know I think you're going to get a, a big recovery. I mean I think it's all related to how we look at the progress that we're making on controlling the virus and the medical treatment that we are being able to give as a result of the uh, evolution of those cases. Um, if I may, I actually looked up some ventilator data. In the U.S., there's about, uh, right now, there's about 60,000 to 100,000 ventilators, and uh, more should be coming uh, along the way. Some of them can be converted by existing ones, and also, um, I think, the production uh, through the wartime production. I think if you look at the numbers projections, right, the, the case, um, the U.S. probably can squeeze by 
uh, without having a medical run. Of course, this is hugely, hugely dependent on, you know, the next two weeks, people really paying attention that, you know, social distancing, because if people pay attention and social distancing, then the medical run situation can be managed. But if it's like Italy situation, then it there's a likely one statistics um, U.S. is not releasing, which um, in Asian countries, which release a lot, which could potentially come the market, actually, is how many people who are, you know, using ICU. Um, right now, it's not very clear, you know, how many um, people here need it. And I, I feel, I think, uh, probably because this is um, a very new, um, you know, new situation for the U.S., so some of the statistics are not coming online uh, as fast. But some of those statistics, when there are more cases and showing, you know, the, the percentage of uh, of the ICU usage is not that high, then U.S. should should be in, in a... But of course, again, it's it's really the next two weeks, people... Um, after these two weeks, things will get better. I'm actually predicting, I have faith in, you know, my people around me. So I do believe yeah. in, in three weeks. That it the, is so good know, to talk to you, Li Chiang. I'll tell you, I'm feeling better already. You know, the optimist and Li Chen has been the pessimist, and now I got Li Chen cheering him up. I love it. One month well, ago. I mean, yeah, I yeah. I mean, well, you've been, yeah, absolutely. We, we, you know, it, it, it's interesting because we have a Chinese uh, young assistant professor, uh, Chao Zhang Wang, um, you know, his parents and, and and he said four or five weeks ago, he said, you know, we're just not taking it. And he went to U.S., not seriously enough. And he was saying, you guys got to take it much more seriously now. And, you know, just like you said, you said the same thing. And uh, you you guys were right. Jeff, I, and, Jeff, I, and, into the conversation. Oh, Jeff, any, anything you want to add on what you're focusing on, what, what you're looking across markets? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it's fascinating listening to this conversation. In this time, the CDC has released new incremental data um, for today, and the, the data was a, a just a, a blowout in terms of positivity from what I can tell in that, yes, there was 3,700-some-odd 3, new cases inside the United States in the last day. Of those 3,700, there's been an incremental 16 deaths, and of course, this is ratcheted down considerably the death rate, the death rate on these things are always initially high because you self-select into testing, right? You arrive at the hospital with intense breathing problems, whereas the person with a sniffle remains on the couch watching old episodes of Seinfeld, and so they don't um, bother to get tested. And so what happens is in these mortality statistics, you get these dangerously frightening numbers. And, you know, one thing that I've been talking about in recent days, I, I didn't think I was going to have to bring back my cash for clunkers type concepts from a, a 10 years ago. But back then, the, the, the concept was, you know, the, the old Frederick Bastiat, 19th century economist, that which is seen, that which is not seen for from the cash for clunkers, which was what we see is you're going to get rid of an old car and buy a new car. And what we don't see is that we are essentially eliminating a completely productive asset in destroying your old, you know, your old jalopy um, in the wake of the Lehman crisis. And I think one of the issues that we have here that we will have to spend the next generation or two measuring are the costs that are not seen 
from this. And it's, you know, well, I mean, it's, it's one of the, it's a, a devil's deal here where you save the lives uh, of the, of the, the, the afflicted here with COVID-19, but we will be measuring this in forcing hundreds of millions of people, sedentary lifestyles for two, three, four, six weeks, who knows? We have, when boredom sets in, drugs and alcohol become the way to uh, absolve you of, of, of any responsibility. And you have a sedentary lifestyle and in a, in a society that already has a major social and economic cost on obesity. And of course, I believe perhaps the biggest problem that we'll be, uh, that we'll be dealing with for some time, as we've known from the penitentiary system, through the years that the perhaps one of the the quickest ways to, to make someone lose their mind is to confine them to solitary. And essentially what we've done is it's not exactly solitary confinement at Rikers. I don't want to make that analogy sitting on your couch, scrolling through Twitter and watching Netflix. But nonetheless, we have a loneliness problem in our society. And when you tell people that they cannot really, really interact with people, I think it's going to be something that's going to we, we won't be able to measure it, um, but this is a, an economic and financial show, and I think that we need to think about some of these these issues. I agree with Lee Chen, generally speaking, and this is a, a potential, um, you know, this is a, a deadly disease, um, but I wonder if there isn't some sort of whipped up uh, overreaction courtesy of our experiment with social media, and, and, and I, I say this as someone who... I'm very, very well versed in the the shortage of ventilators, and I can conceptualize um, very easily some of the dystopian type situations that can happen in a, in an overrun hospital system, as was so evidenced in Italy. I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've read the articles as well. It's um, it's a disturbing situation, but I, I I worry that what we may be doing is causing untold costs elsewhere in those examples I gave, but also now, you know, with the V-shaped or U-shaped recovery and, the, and these various questions of these matters, what does our system look like coming out of this? The other, the other cost that I think is particularly dire is we are now setting a precedent of an all-powerful state, um, whether it's the, 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 the state of New York, the state of New Jersey, but I'm talking about the state. The state in D.C. and and you know we we were now doing something that we used to only really read about in dystopian fiction and it's and it's it's particularly frightening. What do we come out of here looking like? It looks like it's going to be a much more command and control society. I you know, I I don't know the right or wrong answer to it, but this is these are the things that are going through my mind. And Professor, I know you're a libertarian on that sense, but this is a different situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there is. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think we can disentangle that. Um, uh, you know, uh, when there's a crisis like this, people look for guidance from the top. Uh, they, they, it, and 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 and, t- and tend to obey guidance from the top if, as long as it's within the reasonable realm which i think all of it has been i mean may not prove to be exactly right in the future but i mean i i think you, you see these people willing to do this i mean i think the the uncertainty about how long it is i mean this the original statement of two weeks everyone knew that was kind of crazy i mean um uh... in you know 
uh, that this, you know, could be longer. But I, I, I still think, you know, what we need to see is some slowdown, some the cases being handled, the medical system is handling it, the slowdown in the cases. I mean, we do see the, the flattening of those curves. Of, I think it may take that. I don't think we're going to necessarily see that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, which means could be further spiked down. But, you know, put the end of the week and next week, if we see it, we'll, we, we could have a, a huge recovery. And if we get any therapeutic, anything that said something is helping these people that are in dire need, that will be just an unbelievable shoot on, uh, on the market. But until then, I think with the statistics going up and the psychology, it's going to be really hard. Uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday could be very hard days and could be the downward spike that does it. Um, and that I, might be fifty percent. I will. I I usually don't like to make forecasts because I'm not very confident. But like you know, even in our team meetings, I do. I'm willing to go out and say that um, in two or three weeks, in three weeks, that the daily new cases will start to going down. As long as mm-hmm. you, we believe, um, you know, Americans realize how serious this is and uh, practice social distancing, because all the data suggests this can be done. Um, uh, uh, the second thing is, I, I Jeff, I, I think it, there's a short-term and a long-term situation here. I mentioned that uh, in Singapore, Taiwan, and Hong Kong, they really never had this spike, because they started uh, the process testing and tracing very early on, very strict. U.S. right now is a little bit in a hard uh, place because there was some delay. And as as long as we went through this wave um, of the you know the next month, then things will get uh, quite you know uh, I would say it, things will get a little bit you know back to normal. Though definitely not as normal as completely normal, but it will be much more manageable. That's why I love to visit uh, the Singapore. They they have um, uh, in Singapore. There's a, one of the best dashboard. It's called Upcode. It was developed developed by a, a private firm that uh, just scrapes the data from Singapore Ministry of Health, which clearly shows you you know that that this can be managed. Yet yeah, you know. Cheng, let me understand. Is is people are restaurants open in Singapore? Yes. Yes, Singapore people, literally is. I think they've put in a little bit, little bit. For example, anybody you go to Singapore um, needs to have a self uh, quarantine, like a fourteen day self quarantine. Yeah. But essentially, a normal life, you know, going to restaurants, all these are, and even kids going to school, these are all still yeah. ongoing. So it it and, is and, manageable. And the same is the same true in South Korea. Is it true in in Taiwan? Taiwan is uh, they they've Taiwan and Hong Kong they've shut down the schools. But mm-hmm. generally, uh, there is no no situation like you know people cannot move around. Of course, working from home, it it is still encouraged. Uh, I I'm almost going to say that until vaccine comes, most of us needs to get used to working from home for a while. This could be one but, year. Um, but but so are, are, are restaurants open in Hong Kong? Uh, restaurants are not, they are not forced to close, I will say. You, you, you can okay. still go, but most of the people are still, you know, taking, uh, using takeouts. Okay. 
But Singapore and that's given is, from the, and that's given. I think what we've done, unfortunately, at the beginning, we allowed restaurants to offer takeout, but I think now it's that's been shut down. Right、New、now, York, it's still that, allowed to take out. I believe. I haven't read the details. It, it, I, I don't know about that.、Uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether restaurants can still give takeout. Maybe. Okay. In, okay. At least in um, I at least like yesterday I talked to friends. They in California, you can still take out food. So I, I believe the the takeout is still ongoing. So I like I said, I feel that um this time in the next three weeks, U.S. is in a little bit of crunch, which you know ask. Each one of us to make a little bit of sacrifice, but things will get better. And you know, you look at the Singapore data, Taiwan, South Korea, all points to the effectiveness of social distancing and this、um, controlling. Even,、uh, even you know, we don't have a have a have a cure or or or, or vaccine. Okay, you know, just、wonderful. to add on to the the point, just real quickly that you, Li Chen, and the professor are making. You know, we we all kind of knew we had to get. To a peak, right? The only way you get to the other side is at some point you need to get to a peak, and, and hopefully, based upon you know some of the observations, Li Chen, that you've been making, we get to that point. And I, I sit and I, I wonder then, considering how quickly in the financial markets, just bringing it back to that for a second, have shifted. That what does happen? Then on the other side of the trade, when we do get to the point, if the markets do get a sense that we have reached that peak and now we're going to the other side, you could see some very very swift changes. I'm just going to talk about it in the fixed income markets. Obviously, the Fed not raising rates, but I'm talking about you know maybe the 10-year Treasury yield, credit spreads coming in. This is something. Not trying to be a little bit optimistic.、Oh, and and stock market would rally huge if we saw this controlled. You, you, you're 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 not going to get back to the highs of a month ago, but you're going to. I guarantee you're going to take back half of, of all these losses. If we get that mitigation, and people are saying, "My God, it is going down." Social distancing is working.、Um, uh, the the and the medical facilities are not being overwhelmed. I think you'd get a huge rally from these levels. But if if that fear that it's not working. Um, you're 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 going to get like this constant selling and eating away,、um, and so it's just a matter, as I said, of seeing. I think seeing the virus data. I think we I think we know the Fed is taking care of the credit side and frozen that. It's a question of are we getting the big thing, the the virus epidemic pandemic under control. I think th- this is Jeff, and one of the things that I think will be particularly interesting beyond all of this in 2021, 2022, heck, 2032. At this point, is that if, if you think about the, the numbers, and nobody on the call knows the, the, the numbers that will be spent here by the federal government—three trillion, four trillion, five trillion dollars. So, for some perspective, you know, you're looking at about a four and a half percent budget deficit GD- to GDP ratio when you when you have a trillion dollar deficit. If you have in calendar 20 something like a three, four, five trillion dollar deficit, this is、um, something that's positively、um, uh, just a wanton、uh, amount of spending. It's a warlike footing on spending, and so what happens is you start to push the federal、uh, the federal government's、um, debt to GDP ratio ever northwards to 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 the point where it becomes like an Italian 
uh, debt burden or, 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 you know, not quite like the Japanese. They're so much higher than the Italians on their, bud, on their, on their uh, federal deficit or uh, federal budget gap. Um, but really, what, is it, what does it look like down the road? We have to engage fiscal retrenchment to pay it all back. Um, we'll all receive- We're not going to pay it all back. It's a matter <laughs> of stay. We're not, you know, oh, first of all, you know, yeah, we, we, we're going to jump up that debt to GDP ratio. Well, one has to remember, yeah, we're about maybe, depending on how you define it, 80%, 90%. We've got to remember Japan is at 300%, uh, and they still have zero interest rates. Um, so, I mean, we can handle it. It is a burden. It means, obviously, longer run. We, you know, you marshal resources, um, as, as, we, as we're going to have to do. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think we have to switch from fighting the Cold War to preparing for the virus wars of the future. I think we misallocated where we put our defenses. Um, uh, I don't know how many of you have seen the uh, TED Talk of Bill Gates that is uh, going around the Internet. Uh, he made in uh, 2015, five years ago, and he said, uh, you know, he basically said, by the way, you know, the next massive death part is not going to come from missiles. It's going to come from the virus. And this is what we need to do, and no one's doing it. And he said, if we don't do anything, the cost is going to be three, $3 trillion, and people thought he was crazy. Well, let me tell you, equity markets are down $30 trillion, 10 times what, he, what, what people were calling him as crazy five years ago when he said, we need to prepare for this, and it wasn't going to be expensive if we prepared for this. But, you know, that's history. I, I think um, I want to add to Professor's <laughs> point of houses. Actually, in China, one of the survey of what do you want to change, the number one answer is to change the housing situation. Because after, you know, staying at home for two or three weeks, a lot of people feel, you know, they need to change it to a bigger house. Um, and that probably likely happen in the U.S. as well. <laughs> yeah. Housing should do well. That's what I mean. Yeah. Housing should do very well. I mean, you know, Toll Brothers is down like 70% of some of these stocks. And I'm saying, well, yeah, I know no one's buying now, but not going to slow down home building. Actually, you remember after 9-11, home building was, you know, huge. People wanted to felt comfort in the home. Of course, we overbuilt then, and then we had the financial crisis and the crash there. But you know, we don't have that situation now. Yeah, and I also think, Jeff, um, your point of big state, right? I live through, you know, different um, places. If people, you know, voluntarily do the social distancing, which proves that this voluntary thing works, then this will show that you don't need the state to force you on, right? So I think the, you know, the whether the state is having too much power really is rests on whether people could do this by themselves. Well, I, yeah. I would say we've had a great conversation. We were going to go 30 minutes and we've already gone 50. But thank you, everybody, for bringing the time today. We're, you know, it's, it's obviously a stressful time in the markets. And Professor Li Chen, Kevin, Jeff, it's great to get the perspective. Um, you know, we're going to continue to try to be broadcasting from our behind the markets time on Sirius. Usually um, we did this special broadcast for the podcast only today. Uh, but, you know, continue to come to Wisdom Tree. We're producing a ton of content, uh, a lot of looks at dividend growth around the market, ETFs in times of stress, you know, a lot of great resources for you on our, on our Wisdom Tree website as well. Thank you for listening, and we'll, we'll be back with you next week. 
Thanks for listening to the Behind the Markets podcast. If you want to learn more about WisdomTree, visit wisdomtree.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy D. Schwartz. I'd like to thank Patty Hall for producing our live program on SiriusXM channel 132 and our podcast producer, Daniel Bruno. Join us next week for another edition of the show. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.